Hello, and welcome to episode 105 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, December 8th, 2022. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Pretty good. How are you? It's December. It is, fully. We're more than a week in. (sighs) So strange. And I haven't cooked a thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have, but... Can't talk about it? I can't talk about it. I know. My notes, I'm looking at my notes, and they're pretty skeletal. Yeah. I had to uh, finagle a couple of things to make that that section work as well. We have our other sections on the needles, on the easel, on the table, and on the nightstand. And this is our final episode of 2022. Oh my gosh. I know. We're going to take a little break after this, as we usually do. Because, yeah, things get a little busy. Because my boy is coming home tomorrow. I have another week before mine darkens the door. True. With his... but I have not seen mine in four That's months. That's true. So I am very excited. Anything. And he seems pretty excited, too. And asked him what kind of food he wanted. He said sourdough bread. Which I thought was interesting. And then he said, actually, anything homemade. So the only redeeming quality of the cafeteria food is that there's a great deal of quantity. Yes. My kid also said that homemade food, he has a whole new appreciation for it. Yeah. Well, then I was trying to figure out what I was going to make. And I was going pretty, pretty heavy on the veggie business. I mean, because that is mostly what we eat. But I felt like I needed to... To throw some meats in there for welcoming yeah. him home. Although I'm sure he's been eating plenty of meat at school, as one does. Yep. All right, on the needles. Oh, my first note for that. I had talked about the yarn watch in our gift episode last time. And as I was editing and looking for the link, I realized there is also a book lover watch and a cooking watch and a baking watch and many other things, music and horses and All of the things. So (laughs) any kind of themed watch you want may well be there. And I'll throw that link back in in this one. But it is also in the previous episode in case you wanted to get one for yourself or somebody else. So while Monica found all of the watches for her updated gift guide, I found that, you know, that spoon that I was obsessed with? Yes. You can't buy it anywhere. Why not? I don't know. There I was a website. I went to the website. I was just, I don't know oh. what the problem was. Sorry, everyone. But oh. there is a new Jerry Saltz book out that I want to put in the show notes so that okay. the artists out there have a possible book idea. Cool. All right. So actual knitting. I finished my blanket. Which is good, because the boy is coming home. Oh my gosh. I'm very excited. I Yeah, I just started blasting through, and as things got smaller, it went more quickly, and I was therefore more more motivated. Also, World Cup soccer, so lots of time to sit around for two hours with not a lot happening in most of the games that I watched. Thank you, USA. So yeah, so Easy Stripes Blanket by Joan of Dark. It nitpicks Bravo Worsted in Current and Dove Heather. Burgundy and light gray with smaller stripes of Karen Simply Soft in Bone, which I pretend is a very light gold. 
And I think it turned out really nice. My final stripes are a little bit wonky. I'm not quite sure what I did, but I don't think anybody is going to notice unless they try and match it up perfectly. And I really can't imagine my child will ever fold this blanket. So <laughs> I don't think he will notice. But yeah, so the stripes alternate between the red and the gray. And in the first half, I was doing increases and each red stripe gets a little bit bigger, gets an extra row, an extra row. And then halfway through you flip and the gray stripe is the big one and it gets smaller and smaller and the red stripe stays the same. Um, so I think it looks, it looks pretty cool, I think. I washed it yesterday in the machine and dried it in the dryer, which was the point of the yarn that I bought because I was told that it is really actually machine washable and dryable. And it was. That, that's key for yeah. an 18, 19 year old that young was, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was what I figured. What I was still kind of worried and I kept thinking, oh, I should do a swatch and wash the swatch. And then I thought, you know what? Either it works or it doesn't. And I'm pretty sure it was going to work. It was 100% acrylic. You know, there was nothing in there that wasn't going to, to not work. So, so that was still a little bit of a relief. So it worked. So it's ready. I've got to cut all the little yarn bits off because lots of stripes means lots of ends, which, and I wove them in as I went using the little, yep, Stephen West one, which was key because I, I, yeah, there was a lot of stripes and a lot of, and especially since I put in the, the little gold, gold row with every stripe that, that added a lot more yarn ends. And I still have a decent amount of yarn left over, which I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it, but something. He might need a school colored hat. Uh, yeah, I have like two and a half. Okay. <laughs> At least two balls. For the whole team. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's true. Although the hat's not a bad idea. It is It is starting to get chilly there. And I don't think he actually believed that that was the case. A possibility. Yeah. My kid is freezing too. Other news. I am so close to being done with my tea pullover by Hohi Locatelli. Once I finished the blanket, I just decided that was my new focus. The yarn in that is from Machete Shop, her Dirty DK in Eucalyptus. And I think she is not dying anymore. So I think I'm going to have just enough yarn. We are going to be playing yarn chicken. It is going to be close, but I think I'm going to make it, which is good because I can't get any more of the yarn. I finish the sleeves and then you knit it together at the neck. So you connect the two halves because this is the one where you knit it in vertical halves. And then you block it. So that was another sticking point. So I blocked it this morning. And that totally makes sense because you want to make sure it's all spread out before you lace it together with your eye cord. And that was what I started working on last night. You need two, I think almost three feet. No, it's more than three feet. It's almost five feet of eye cord. So I think I'm knitting like nine feet of eye cord total. So that's taking a little bit, but it's again, perfect TV knitting because it's just knit four stitches slide the stitches back, knit the same four stitches again. So makes a nice little rope of yarn. And then once it dries and I've got that done, then I will lace it together and hopefully it will look great and fit well. We shall see. But um, that one that one should be done in just a few days. It's such a good color. I do like the color. Yeah. And I'm very excited. I, I, well, we'll see. I should knock on wood and stop talking about it. <laughs> to see it before I see if I win the yarn chicken. Look for photos. I'll probably have to post like how, how close it was because I think it's going to be pretty close. And then I started my December mystery gnome from Sarah Shira. This one is called Gnome Made Gifts. 
you get a clue every day. Not every day is a knitting day. Some days we just get a little bit of story. We got some cute gift tags. There's usually a food recipe that shows up at some point for a little wintry treat. It's very mysterious so far. We haven't, as far as I can tell, actually started on the gnome. We've been doing accessories, which is fun, but confusing. And, you know, adds to the mystery because you just don't know how it's going to all turn out and go together. Last year, we ended up with like a backpack to put a mini gnome in. She always comes up with really cute things. I got the Dreaming Color Smushy yarn kit from, uh, I ordered it from the Loopy U. So I didn't get the treats that come with it, the little knitting notions and whatnot. To make it a full advent calendar, I just got the yarn which was fine. I went with the Rudolph's Favorites colorway. So there's two different greens and a red and a very, very pale gray. And then a minty speckled one, which is going to be my main color. So far, it's turning out quite cute. Scarf is adorable. There's a little messenger bag. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see how that will, will eventually all come together. You know, I'll have another gnome for my collection. And then I also pulled out my Advent scarf from last year. I don't know if you remember this one, but I was very excited. Trisha Weatherston does, for several years, she's done Advent scarves. I had made many of them a bunch of years in a row, and then I stopped doing them, took a break. And then last year, she was doing a colorwork one. She said, this is what the yardage is. And Forbidden Fiber had uh, her Christmas collection of yarns come out, and I had really wanted it, but I you know, I couldn't think what I would do with it. And then the scarf pattern arrived. And I said, oh, that's what I can do with it. So it was kind of an excuse to buy yarn. So I ordered it. It was a huge scarf. I think the original for the large size cast on was like 470 something stitches. Whoa. Provisional cast on. So then you have to connect it. And I think I twisted it three times in a row, which was not fun. I eventually got it going. But because it's a mystery, you didn't know exactly how all the colors were going to play out. And so I chose one that I thought would work. I didn't love it. And then I just got involved in all other bunch of December things and did not get very far. I think I maybe made it through halfway through day two, which is a lot of knitting when there's 470 something stitches on your needles and you've done it four times already. So it just sat. Eventually, I got to see the whole pattern because everybody finished it. It's a beautiful pattern. It starts off with Japanese design and then goes into color work and then goes back to a new pattern with Japanese stitches and then back into the color work. And it's double thick. So you knit it, you knit it, and then you fold it in half. So you can wear it either direction but either direction meaning like inside out and wrapped or oh. like a tunnel i mean it's very long like the there were two sizes one is ends up being about three feet around and the long one is like five feet around so mm-hmm. you so the long if you make the long one you could wear it wrapped but also the inside and the outside of it are going to be different patterns oh, so you could okay. wear it either you could wear it inside out it's reversible that's the word i'm looking for <laughs> Might we got need, there. <laughs> might need some more coffee. So it's reversible. So I decided, okay, it's December again. Let's see if we can get this to work. Because oh, I've been doing so much stockinette knitting with the blanket and then with this pullover. The gnome is just a smidge of knitting every day. So this one is one by one twisted rib with cables. And it just seemed delicious and mentally delightful knitting. So I thought I'd pull it out again. 
restart it. Now that I know what it's going to look like, I can plan out my colors. I may have actually ordered some additional gray for my solid bits because that will make me happy instead of what I had originally chosen or making it, you know, all different colors. And then I also thought, you know, I live in San Francisco. I don't need five feet of double thick color work <laughs> to wrap doubly around my neck. That'd be like four layers of wool. It's never going to be that cold here. I mean, maybe for half a second. Yeah. It's not going to. It's gonna, just not. I just it's don't. so mild here. So I decided. So I ripped the whole thing out. Oh, my gosh. This yeah. is a saga. It is a saga. <laughs> and then I decided, so I decided I was going to do the smaller one, which is still 250 stitches being cast on. It's not a small number, but it's definitely smaller than 470. So I did that. I got it connected properly on the first try. I started knitting. I am back on to day two. I'm almost done with day two. And I am enjoying it very much. Are you still going to do the double-sided Yes, that's how it works. Like you, okay. you do the provisional cast on, you knit up, and then you'll connect your ending row to your first row, and okay. then it'll fold flat. So that's how you get the double I sidedness. It'll art, but you're knitting it in a circle, so it already is looped in that way. You would have a big tube, and now you're gonna have a half size tube. So can it be worn like a cowl, or would it be just too much fabric? Do you know what I mean? You could, yeah. I guess, yeah. You could. I think something I think somebody did it like a just a regular scarf as well. Yeah, I mean you could do it without the provisional cast on and then not connect it and you just have one longer cowl. I mean it's pretty wide but it's not <clears throat> okay. Giant wide. It is a cowl. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Well, I can show you pictures too of what other people's look like. And at some point I hope to sit down and I haven't actually got to the color work part ever, so I haven't looked at how she does it because some people did it with just two colors. You could do up to seven. So I'm not sure what the pattern looks like and how much information she gives you as far as this is where you should put colors. So at some point, I am going to have to sit down and figure out where I'm going to put my colors, which will be a process. But it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to end up beautiful and Christmassy. And then since I am now doing the smaller size, I might have leftovers. So I'm envisioning a colorwork Christmas sweater for myself. Of like sort of subtly, subtly Christmassy, not like Santa's. Right. But like a color work in Christmas colors. Fun. Yeah. So many plans. And I need to pick a new sweater now because I've almost well, yeah. finished. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so many I want to make right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's <laughs> too much. Too many awesome sweaters. <sighs> so that's me. What is on the easel? Well, it has been a busy season in the studio because Guashvember wrapped up. Very exciting. We did door prizes and we did a final prize drawing for people who had really gone the distance with Guashvember. There's still two or three pieces that I want to paint when I can find a minute and I will fill those in in the sketchbook. I haven't jumped onto it because I've moved on to Birds in December, which is just so much fun because I'm kind of obsessed with birds. I was thinking the other day that I should be careful because I don't I don't want to get birded out. Mm. Um, so what I have decided for Birds in December, this is hosted by Blue Shine Art, and that's Charlotta Hamilton in Ontario, and she 
is doing her birds in alphabetical order this year. She has a great prompt list. I love a prompt list, but I also love the alphabetical structure. There are over 10,000 species of birds, and I've painted maybe 300, and there are so many more that I want to paint. So I have taken the liberty of filling in the gaps of of birds that I'm curious about. So last night I painted a helmeted guinea fowl. <laughs> was that H or G? It was G. Or F. <laughs> because it's under guinea fowl. Okay. There are non-helmeted ones, apparently. Delightful. So anyway, I'm following the structure, but picking and choosing my own birds for it. And then at that transition between Guashvember and Birds in December... The calendars came in the mail and sold out within 36 hours, although I did find one more (laughs) in the art room this morning. So I hand-painted the envelopes. I just shipped them U.S. Postal Service because nostalgia. I love to just send them regular mail. My grandfather was a letter carrier, and it's important to me to purchase postage stamps and stamp every single one and put them in the mail. So 200 hand-painted envelopes. I think that this is one of my crazier endeavors as, I mean, the calendar is kind of crazy anyway, but then to do the hand-painted envelopes just makes it feel extra, extra. (laughs) Um, It is. I even did. I totally appreciate it though. They're fun. I was so excited to receive it in the mail and I was not expect I didn't I didn't realize they were all ready to go even though I knew they were arriving yeah. had arrived yeah this was kind of a smoother process than in years past including the envelopes I love the hand painted envelope part so much because I feel like rarely does one receive a hand painted envelope I would say for me it's once a year when I get one from you <laughs> Well, that's that's my goal. And while I really want to get away from being a calendar person, I really want to explore something else for next year. I'm pretty happy that I got a calendar out because I need one. <laughs> and I think a lot of other people find it useful. This one is, as I've talked about in previous episodes... Birds and Breakables. If you look on my Instagram account, you can see a little flip through of it. It's squarely in my bird obsession world. I am doing a Christmas commission, a three-part Christmas commission, and that's really the only other major thing on the easel this week for the painting. And I'm eager to come back after the new year and talk about our goals and plans for 2023 because for the first time in like two years, I am thinking about goals and plans and that feels really good. I'm glad one of us is. (laughs) That just occurred to me. I need to finish up my goals and plans from this year. I'm a few short. I guess that's the benefit of not having made really firm ones last year is that I feel quite accomplished (laughs) having gotten the a lot of good art stuff yeah you should so while there was lots going on in calendars and knitting how was your table on the table 
actually the table has been good. I've got a few good things. Again, still a little bit smitten kitchen keepers heavy. But first, can I update my gift list again? <laughs> gift yeah. ideas. Super cubes from Rancho Gordo. I don't know. Maybe they're out there somewhere else. This is the first time I've seen them. So they're like ice cubes, silicone trays, but each one holds a cup, measuring cup worth of whatever. So you can put lentil soup in there or beans, <laughs> which is why Rancho Gordo has them, and then freeze them and then pop them out, you know, and stick them in a in a plastic bag. Or I guess you could leave them in there. They have a they have a lid. So it's just very exciting because I always have a few leftover beans towards the end of the week or, you know, if you've got make a giant pot of soup and you've got a leftover, but then f freezing it either flat, which is what I usually do, makes it really awkward to reheat or you're freezing it in a quantity that is just awkward and like too much for one person for lunch and then you have all this soup. So, yeah, so I was very excited to see those. I don't know for sure that they have them available. They were in stock. They were out of stock. They're really good about letting you know. Like if you sign up for a, a wait list, they'll let you know um, when they are back in stock. And that was how I was able to get them. And so I put some lentil soup in them. I had, um, I, w I did feel like a very grown up cooker. <laughs> yeah, I just like had not planned my weekend food. I figured I'd just wing it. And so my first night I did all my little small bites. I pulled out all the vegetables and did a bunch of things. And we had, I don't know, rice and, and you know, just our little snacky kind of dinner. And then it was the next night and I still hadn't planned anything or gone to the store. So I'm wandering the kitchen. like, What am I going to make? And I just decided I hadn't done soup and I was just going to do vegetables. And I went to my pantry to see if I had any um, maybe like small pasta that I could throw in there or rice or something. And then I realized I had a bag of lentils from my bean club. It's like, oh, lentil soup. And I will say, I looked at the recipe in week Weekday Vegetarians by Jenny Rosenstrup, our favorite, or one of our favorites. And she puts a little, I think it was harissa paste in there when you're sauteing your vegetables. And that just adds a little little bit of extra flavor. Okay. We keep talking about harissa paste. Yep. And I am writing it in big red letters on my notes because I really want to try it. No, we, oh, okay. we looked it up last time. I'm really curious about trying it because it's coming up in so many great recipes. There's one in Keepers, too, that calls for har harissa paste. Yep. And uh, it could be Harissa. I don't actually know. I'm, I'm into it. I can't remember. I know we've talked about Harissa Pace. Harissa? Harissa? I don't actually know how to pronounce it. I say my mentally I'm pronouncing it Harissa. And it's a hot chili paste from North Africa. I guess it depends which one you get, how hot it actually is, and how much you add to whatever you're making. But I, yeah, it just adds a nice little bit of, of flavor. Kind of like a Italian red pepper, like you would do in a red sauce and a ribiata. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I'm finding it in a lot of recipes. It's having a moment. It is having a moment. So that is very exciting. So I enjoyed that. And I think I had I had a bunch of spinach that I threw in there as well. So I had some some greens. And yeah, I just felt very accomplished and pleased with myself. And then I had leftovers. So I, my super cubes arrived the next day. So I said, Oh, perfect. Which reminds me, I do need to now <laughs> take them out of the freezer and use them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think yeah, that might, might be a good lunch for today. 
So then my two recipes that I wanted to talk about uh, are both from Simply Genius, which is put out by Food52. Some of these recipes I had seen before. I think I think Jenny Rosenstruck has one in there. So they're recipes that I believe had been published on their website already or various other sources and assembled for your It's like a montage cooking. collection? Yeah. Okay. So some breakfast ones and some quick cooking ones, some longer cooking, but in the oven for an hour kind of thing, some desserts. So it was a really nice mix. Talk you through the recipes. There's lots, there's options. They're definitely, you know, chefs that I recognize and appreciate their work. So there were some very fun ideas in here that I've been trying out. The first one is sheet pan gnocchi with chili crisp and baby bok choy. Again, with the having the moment, the chili crisp. We have been sampling many of them since I've discovered it. I think, oh, because it was in the David Chang cookbook mm-hmm. where I heard about it. And so I ordered it from... You can order it from him, I think. You can. We have. That is actually our least favorite one. <gasps> I know. It's too... Sp- it's spicy. Dave. I know. His is... I don't eat it as much. My husband and boy, too, are very fond of it. They will put piles of it on almost everything. So what's the household favorite? Fly by Zhang, which I think I've bought at Whole Foods and you can order it on online. Although Trader Joe's has a really good one as well. So Trader Joe's, so solid. So this recipe, you take gnocchi, shelf stable or the refrigerated ones, either way, mix it with some of the chili crisp, bake it on a sheet pan for a while, pull it back out. Add some sliced baby bok choy and scallions that you have also mixed with chili crisp. Throw it back in. Bake it a little longer. Top it with a scallion sour cream. So some scallions, additional scallions and sour cream, and I think probably lime juice. And it was delicious. My husband loved it. One of his favorites. Super easy. I did have to do two pans because I had a regular gnocchi pan and a gluten-free gnocchi pan. But it was very tasty. Boy 2 was... Not adverse to it. I think he would have liked some sausage or something on the sheet pan as well, which, yeah, yeah, I guess I could have done that. But he is a big gnocchi fan and chili crisp fan. So he was pretty happy with this as well. So, yeah, super simple, very easy. Cooking gnocchi in the oven is just a game changer. Oh, yeah. I I am into this recipe. I'm curious about the texture from the oven with the gnocchi. So... Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it gets a little crispy on the outside, but it's right. still pretty soft. And it, but it, it's not going to go mushy. It's like real macaroni and cheese from the oven gets a little. Mm. You get a little texture boost. Yes, exactly. Very similar. Mm. And there is another. I think there is also a somewhere I've recently seen. I think a pepperoni pizza gnocchi recipe that's an oven thing as well. Yum. Yeah. So, oh, I might have to do that when boy one is home. I'll have to think about that one. So the other one is sweet potatoes. Oh, you've kind of already have you seen this in the text thread? I have seen this in the text thread, which was the most delightful text <laughs> thread that I could not be a part of. So you need to give everybody a little backstory. Okay. A group of friends went out for my birthday to brunch. I wasn't able to go. We went to this fancy smancy restaurant. And we got these coal-roasted sweet potatoes that were the most amazing thing any of us had ever had. It, they that were incredible. saying something. They were, so, this, they were sweet. This is a foodie group. And smoky and 
I can't even remember what they had on them, but they were just delicious. I think there was probably bacon involved. I don't know. I don't even think there was. Was bacon it just involved. sliced? They How came in. The... They came in chunks, and there was something, some kind of topping, and so we were just trying to figure out what all the flavors going on were as a group. Could not decide. But then I think it was the very next day I had picked up a cookbook from the library, and I was flipping through, and there's this recipe for these sweet potatoes that are allegedly the creamiest. And that we, so we were thinking from, from simply genius. Yeah. Oh, I thought you sought out the recipe for the sweet potatoes. Okay. No, it was I'm putting just it there. all together now. Yeah. No. So we were talking about trying how we, like what we thought they had done at the restaurant. We were talking about what did we think they had done? We were thinking maybe they were twice baked and then like then put in, cause you could tell the skin was all, roasty toasty and crispy but the the sweet potato the flesh itself was so creamy like you just don't usually get that at least i don't so we had all these different thoughts i think it was the next day i found this recipe and it says this will make the creamiest roasted sweet potatoes you have ever had so i sent it to the group everybody else started talking about different recipes oh we've got to try this it was right before thanksgiving so people were planning their menus and and whatnot so eventually after thanksgiving got around to making it you cut them in half spread butter on them, roast them covered in your dish, uncover them, flip them over, roast them some more, and then this recipe has you top them with peanuts, scallions, lime zest, and a sauce made of sour cream or creme fraiche, maple syrup, fish sauce, and lime juice. It was amazing. Even without the coal? Yeah, so the potatoes themselves that I made did not have a smoky favor, but the creamy factor creaminess factor of the potato was out of this world and then the sauce with the sour cream and the maple and the fish sauce i used soy sauce gluten-free soy sauce instead the combination was amazing it sounds so simple simply genius (laughs) it's right there the title and it's not just me i sent it to my people on this text thread and like three people made it didn't they uh just one had made it yeah and she did a different sauce and she, oh, she made browned honey butter for her butter situation, which sounds very interesting. I mean, none of us have coal roasting ovens, so that right. part wasn't going to happen, I guess. But she agreed. She's like, yes, these are the creamiest ones I've ever had. And we had a different friend who had a different recipe that was twice baked sweet potatoes, and she was less pleased with those. So this is definitely the way to go. Okay. I'm going to, uh, ho- I'm hopeful that that recipe is out there on the interwebs and I will get you all a link. Otherwise you definitely need to go check this book out of your library and or, or just buy it from your in- or local buy it from your bookseller. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you might not want the other recipes. Although right. there are many great recipes in this book. I have added it to my Christmas list in case anybody wants to buy it for me. But yeah, this this was really good. The the sauce that you serve it with is really good. And then the peanuts, like who I don't know. I would not have thought of adding peanuts topped on my sweet potatoes, but it was fantastic. And I had some leftover for the next day. It was a delicious lunch. It was fun to watch the whole thing play out. I wasn't able to be with you guys for that lunch, but I still feel like I I got a like a party favor <laughs> from the from the thread and the recipe and the chatter about it. And it was just delightful. Yeah, I would be happy to go back and eat those sweet potatoes again. They were really good. Okay. And also the omelet I had there was amazing. It was a a very tasty brunch. How about you? Nothing at all. (laughs) (laughs) We have been eating now and again, but mostly 
you know, the usual repertoire. Nothing, I only have one new recipe for you. But given that we are coming up on a holiday, I have been in the kitchen thinking about Christmas cookies and some of the baking that I'm going to do. Did my, my spice and baking inventory, which meant cleaning out a couple cupboards and doing that kind of holiday prep work that only happens once a year, if we're being honest, in my kitchen. I'm still on the hunt for this year's cookie cutter. You know, I like to get a new cookie cutter for the family Christmas cookies, that platter of cookies that we do. I'm really looking for either a snail or a mushroom, but all of the mushroom cutters that I've seen, I know that that stem is going to break really easily. So I need kind of a short fat mushroom. So my only recipe, even though I am cooking from keepers a ton, my only recipe this week is still from Smitten Kitchen (laughs) (laughs) because I think I was looking for something to do with some turkey. And she's really good about using turkey. I appreciate that. And I did the turkey pesto meatballs with orecchetti and served them with miso green beans, which is nothing special. It's just green beans with a little bit of miso and butter stirred up. I remember that one. That one's good. It is really good. I haven't done it in a while. I think that in her recipe, she roasts the turkey meatballs in the oven on a tray with some summer squash and zucchini. And because it's winter, I roasted it off with some mushrooms and some eggplant. Mm. I'm really embarrassed to share this story. I bought an eggplant to paint for gouache vember because it was beautiful and it was a graffiti eggplant. I don't make a lot of eggplant because my family isn't very fond of it. So now I have all this eggplant and I felt like, well, I'll just roast it and toss it with the pesto and the orecchetti and and eat that for dinner. It turns out I'm allergic to eggplant. (gasps) Oh, no. Which, if I think back, it's probably been four years since I had, I had like an eggplant rollatini at my sister's house or Mm -hmm. involtini. And she makes it and it's really excellent. And I do recall not feeling great after eating it. But I wasn't sure if it was the dairy because mm. it has cheese in it. And so this was, you c- you couldn't have gotten simpler. This was just diced up eggplant with olive oil and a little bit of salt and pepper that I roasted in the oven and was so excited to eat in yeah. my pasta with some pesto. And it totally, <laughs> yeah, I had an allergic reaction to oh, it. Oh, no. So I am allergic to eggplant. Huh. I'm a fractional Sicilian allergic to eggplant which is like criminal it is it <laughs> it's is kind sad. of like being an italian who is Although also be, celiac but to be fair you haven't had it in four years so it's not something yeah, it's, you feel a great kinship with no and i i think that i had steered i must have steered away from it because of the kids not loving it but it is clear to me now yeah. that that is a thing hmm. Hmm. oh well so Anyway, the turkey pesto meatballs couldn't be simpler. I used purchased pesto from Costco, which if you read in the comments on the Smitten Kitchen site, nearly everyone else does too. (laughs) Well, especially now, it's not like you can get fantastic basil. For sure. So it is a, it's a good all purpose. And you do mix up a little pesto broth, 
using some of the pasta water and put it all back together again. So it has mm. some, you know, it's got some good so is there pesto sticky factor in the meatballs. Yep. As well? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. This would be excellent with some cascatelli <laughs> and no eggplant. So that's what's been on the table. I composted the rest of the eggplant, which Ugh. I hate to do. I hate to waste food. Yeah. But I am squarely, <laughs> squarely allergic to eggplant. It makes my throat itch. Oh, yeah, that's no good. So on the nightstand, because I have been doing all this knitting, I have very few books. So I'm actually going to talk about two that I have not finished. I do have two that I've read. My jaw is on the I floor. No. Well, so one of the books that I haven't finished is like 850 pages. That's why it's taking me a little while. Plus soccer, even though the soccer is problematic. Okay, so my first book is Indiana by George Sand. This was from my book club, <laughs> and I picked it. No, actually, we had a really good conversation. It is from 1831 and was written in French originally. And then the overall consensus was there was no way any of us would have picked this book up on our own. But we, it was fun to do it for a book club and to actually discuss it. So it is the story of Indiana, who is born in what is now the island of Reunion in the Indian Ocean. And she is married off quite young and is living in France with her older husband and her cousin, who we come to find is in love with her. And she also has a young aristocrat who falls in love with her. And she's very unhappy in her marriage. And I mean, dare I say it, shenanigans ensue. <laughs> this is not a romance. It was a very interesting book. There was It was definitely the kind of book that we felt would be really interesting to read with a professional, like a teacher who actually knows more of the time period and what what else was going on in literature at the time. And it felt like there was a lot of symbolism that we were missing and, and whatnot. But we, we had a good conversation about the heroine. Was it serialized when it was first No, written? it was a book. Okay. I think it was, I think it was actually, it, it's in four parts. So I was wondering about that, but it, I thought it said it, it came out just as a book. There's a lot of things that happen because there was so much going on. There's a lot of plot. So there was that, but then there's history and trying to place it in French history and, the symbolism and what all the characters mean, what's going on. So I really, I almost wished I had given myself time enough to read it twice so I could read it just to get the plot, see what's going on, and then go back and dive really deep. It's presented as an early feminist work. And so I think we were all expecting a heroine like Jane Eyre or uh, Lizzie Bennet, and Indiana is not that. We go a different direction to get our feminist tracked. So it was, again, it was... I think we're all glad we read it and had the discussion, but would probably not have been something we would pick up on our own or necessarily recommend in general. Although I think one of the one of the people had recommended it to her high school daughter because she's she's into that kind of thing. <laughs> so it was it was it was interesting. But then I did love an actual romance, Drunk on Love by Jasmine Guillory. It's her latest. It's delightful. It's amazing. She's the best. And it's new characters, a new character set. She wrote her first eight books, all kind of in the same friend group. And she decided she was done with them. She's moving on. Although I think they do show up as patrons of at the, the main character's winery. So Margot owns a winery with her brother in the Napa Valley. She's been working really hard for the past three years to 
make it successful. Her brother does the winemaking. She does all the business stuff. She's just gotten back from a really difficult week out of town, meeting with vendors and restaurant owners. And so she goes out to dinner at her friend's restaurant. She's really tired. Her friend kind of dares her to flirt with the cute guy who sits down next to her at the bar. And she does. They have a great talk. Three hours later, turns into a whole night together. It's amazing. He's really sweet. He's good looking. He listens to her. They have an actual real conversation. And all is great. She can't stop thinking about him. And then Monday morning, he walks into her office. It's her new employee that her brother hired while she was out of town. Awkward. <laughs> and guess what? Shenanigans ensue. So it was just delightful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a classic romance. They end up having issues and it all works out. And it's, I can't wait to see what the next one is going to be. I think it'll be her brother. It's my bet. But yeah, I think I blasted through that in like a day because it was just so sweet. And especially after the, the depression of Indiana, <laughs> it was, I needed a little break. The book that I'm currently reading that is 800 and something pages, which is why it is taking you a while, although it is fantastic is The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois by Honoré Fanon Jeffers. I think she's a poet, and that really comes out in the language. So this is primarily the story of Ailey Garfield, who is, gosh, I think she's about my age, growing up in the 70s. So like 24. Yeah, exactly. Very young. So a black woman, and she's growing up in an unspecified city in the north. Her mother's family is from a small town in Georgia, and they have been there kind of literally forever, originally part of the Creek tribe. And then as other people move into the area or take over, I guess, the area, family grows. And so you get Ailey's story as she's growing up. I've, I think I'm on page 550. I'm a little over halfway through, and she's in college. <laughs> I've got, got some ways to go. And then it, it switches back and forth and you get her family's story. So like her great, 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 great grandmother who was part of the Creek tribe. And then like her actual grandmother, great grandmother, her mother, you get all the, all their stories. And so it is definitely a difficult read in places, obviously, as any story with enslaved people is going to be. But also Ailey's story is not without its difficulties I would check for content warnings if you are sensitive to anything because there's a lot of stuff that goes on. But it is, it's just beautiful. Her story is fantastic. The writing is is amazing. I am sad every time I have to put this down and very excited to get back to it. And I still have, you know, like a third of the book left to go, but I can't imagine that that will change my my review in any way. That has been on my list for a while and I'm, I'm glad that I finally, finally got to it. Um, I'm very much enjoying it. Finally, I'm listening to Murder for Christmas by Frances Duncan. I had seen that a friend of mine on her Goodreads was, she was reading either this one or something similar. And I thought, oh, that would be fun. A, a little, little murder. A little murder for Christmas. Well, murder. I mean, there's there's Christmas romances. There's Christmas murder mysteries. I think I read one last year as well. It's, you know, the holiday season. Let's, let's do murder. And so I literally went to... <laughs> I went to Monica. Libby. You just said I know it's the holidays. Let's do murder. I was making a joke, <laughs> but I did. I went to. I think I looked for this act, the book my friend was reading, in Libby, and there was a wait. So I just searched for murder Christmas, 
and like 20 books popped up. That's awesome. It's totally a thing. I think I have one book on hold. And then I went on Hoopla and looked to see what they have. Same search, many choices. And this one came up as well. This is from 2017. It's in a series, the Mordecai Tremaine series. I don't know. He's British. It feels vaguely, and nobody seems to have cell phones, but it doesn't feel terribly unmodern. So maybe like 50s, 60s. It's sort of, it's timeless. It's a little cozy mystery. I think it's the second book in the series. So he's he solved one mystery. He's sort of known for it. He's an old guy, used to have some sort of shop. He has uh, little glasses and loves reading romances, which is kind of adorable. And so it's a little bit Miss Marpley where he's the old guy, so no one takes him seriously, but he's really smart and can, you know, notices everything about people. So he gets invited to this country house for Christmas. The dude likes to have the tree and dresses up as Father Christmas and all the things. Christmas Eve like two in the morning, screaming, go downstairs, someone's dead. Oh my gosh, shocking. So he's going to solve it. There's a whole cast of characters and many possible suspects, but it's it's pretty adorable. And I figure if we're not talking for a month that I will have forgotten about it. And, you know, if you want a little <laughs> cozy murder for Christmas, this is the, might be a good choice. That's all my books. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird one. I have another one waiting. I have a couple romance ones I'm hoping on. I know Jasmine Guillory has a Christmas romance. Christina Lauren does too. I mean, there's a, there's quite a few that I've read. Yeah, I think I read one last year that was on a train. I mean, I was trying to, I was looking for Christmassy things too. Yeah. Maybe not typing in Christmas murder or murder <laughs> for Christmas, but I love it. Yeah. Okay, I have two humongous books. Oh, that's right. So both of my books were over 600 pages. Wow. I think one of them was 700. So I, I've i been um, in this unusual territory where I wasn't really looking forward to reading in bed because the books mm. are so heavy. <laughs> that's why you need a Kindle. I know. It's the only time when I think... I would prefer a digital book. Anyhow, the first one I want to tell you about is The Winners by Frederick Bachman. This is part three of his Beartown Hockey trilogy. And to be honest, I read Beartown like a year ago, maybe a year and a half. And it was hard because it involves a really uh, brutal sexual assault and that's what the whole book is about. And I think it's a longer book, too. Therefore, I did not read book two because I felt like, yeah, no thanks. I'm still recovering from Beartown. But one of my really good trusted friends said that I would really enjoy The Winners and that it had kind of a different take to it and that it was just really well done. And she's not wrong, I think for me, I'm still really sensitive about what happened in Beartown. That is hard for me to shake off. But I was committed to the characters in The Winners. And I wanted to see how everyone was faring. There is something really compelling about that omniscient crystal ball narrator. He just threads you along. And before you know it, well... I don't know, it took me a little longer than I thought to read the 700 pages. You're just kind of committed and you really want to see what is going to happen with this 
with these families and the connections in the small town. So this takes place in Sweden, rural Sweden, where hockey is life. It is Beartown versus Head, and there are two neighboring towns. They share a hospital, and they share uh, politicians, and they share fire season and tragedy, but they also have two rival hockey teams and two rival schools. So that is where all of the tension comes from. Frederick Bachman has definitely built himself another uh, leap-off point from this one into another character, and that will be really interesting to see if he fleshes that out. So while it was a really long book, it was a fast read. I feel like, hey, I, I didn't read the second one, but I had a rough sense of I mean, I had a very strong sense of what had happened the two years prior, so I don't know how much I would have benefited from reading the Us. It's like Us Against You or something like that. That's the second one that I missed. That's The Winners by Frederick Bachman. And then my absolute favorite read so far this year, which is saying something, is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. This book is extraordinary, and I do not reread, and I'm considering rereading it. It is so good. Present day, rural Appalachia, we have a young boy that we meet at birth, and he is born to an orphan mother, unwed teen orphan mother. They're renting a little trailer, single wide trailer from some super kind neighbors who really look out for him. His his name is Damon, but he goes by Demon. And Copperhead, I think, is his father's name. The spark for this novel for Barbara Kingsolver was that she was doing a book tour in the UK and had an opportunity to stay at Charles Dickens Bleak House. And right there, because it was like winter time, and so it's it's largely based from David Copperfield. I don't know when anyone has read David Copperfield recently, but it had definitely been easily. I think I read it in high school, so it's been a while for this like brain. Two years. You read it two years ago? No, you. High school. Oh, two yes, years yes. ago. Yeah, right. If you know David Copperfield, you will benefit from lots of little. Easter eggs, if you will, from naming conventions to relationships to that sense of poverty and child labor laws and orphans and a lot of those themes from David Copperfield appear in Demon Copperhead. Somehow, Barbara Kingsolver has managed to modernize it in a way that is equally brutal and brilliant and relevant and stunning. And uh, it is like, it is incredible. So Demon has a lot to deal with, with his young teen mother, who also has addiction problems. Addiction turns out to play a humongous role in this novel. That is very hard to read about, but this is early in the opioid crisis. And I feel like Kingsolver has really done the work of what it was like in those early days and what 
what the pharmaceutical reps had promised doctors about opioids. And it's difficult to read because we all know what's coming. There are some just, not just our main character who you ache for the whole time, but there are some really stunning other characters that just guide you through. This book was super long. It ended way too soon. I wouldn't change a single thing about it. I can't tell you how amazing it is. And I hope that, I hope that you find time to read it. And wow, it was great. Nice. Well, that is a good final book review of 2022 (laughs) for us. Thank goodness. Wow. Okay. I hadn't read her in a while and I had kind of let that one slip past me. Maybe I'll have to revise my uh, my thoughts. One of the one of my funny things before I picked up the book was that when we were kids, my grandparents would always say, "Don't play in the stone walls. There's copperhead snakes in there." And copperhead to me was always like a warning, you know. Mm. And it turns out that I am not alone. <laughs> so I just thought that this book, I feel the same. Like it just didn't get enough. Not enough people were talking about it. I don't, and I just like Barbara Kingsolver, and that's yep. what made me leap, right. leap at it. Oh, good. All right. We've got two and a half, three weeks left of the year. I'm super low in my book count because I just spent the last four weeks reading monster tomes. So you need to look at your page count. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't be bothered. But I did paint so much this year, so... Yeah. I'm excited to do a little bit of reading over the break and then come back to you in a month and tell you all about it. Cool. Yeah. So until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf at C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.